in these three verses. He says, the, those who the ch- son chooses to reveal, um, the father too, and then the father, who the, uh, these things about heaven that the father reveals to, um, to the little children. So he uses the word revealed twice. And it's important to understand what the word revealed means. Revealed is not something discovered, is not something figured out, is not something like you can, you know, uh, you always see like the, the physicists or the astrophysicists, you know, and they've got like a big chalkboard and they're, you know, figuring something out and then they, they find the answer, you know. It's, so revealed is something that you'll never be able to find out. It's only God reveals something to you that otherwise you would not be able to know on your own. So it's something given to us by God's good pleasure that he chooses. And who, who, do, who does he choose to reveal it to? Jesus says, the little children. It's those who humble themselves and are ready to receive something from God. When you, when you, um, you know, give something to the, 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 you know, the, the one characteristic about the little kids is that they expect to receive the things from you. You know, they expect to receive the help. They may want to do it themselves, but they know that they're, they're limited, you know, then they, they need help, you know, get something from that high shelf or can I have, you know, a, a snack or something like this. They, they, they know that they need help. So in, Jesus didn't say only the little kids, young, young age would be, help, would, would be able to go to heaven. But he said everybody who comes with this attitude, the same as a young kid, will be able to receive in contrast, the people who are wise and learned are those who think that they can figure it out on their, on their own, or rather they're dictating terms to God even. Little children don't, don't dictate terms to their parents, or they should not, okay? But they, they should have the terms dictated to them. It's the same what, what, God, what Jesus is talking about here. He says, these things about heaven, these things about salvation are revealed to those who I choose. And those who I, I choose those who make themselves like little children to receive by faith. Remember, we can't, we can't receive it by figuring it out. We have to receive it by faith because it's revealed to us. So in order for you, this message to make sense to you today, you need to change your attitude, and be ready to receive from God by faith as little children. Just say, because you said so, you revealed this to me, and I accept it. If we, you know, um, we want to be independent and not receive anything from anyone, then we're not going to be able to receive. It's going to be hidden from us. You know, it's kind of difficult because, especially here in America, we are very self taught to be self-reliant. You know, whenever I go over to Asia, it's kind of weird because, you know, they have housemaids and, and uh, people to do, you know, the small things around the house and stuff. And I'm not used to doing that because, you know, I'm like, 
okay, I have to clean the toilet, you know, and clean my bathtub and wash my clothes and fold my clothes. I have to do all that stuff myself, right? And we're, we're taught that here in America to be, you know, self-reliant. And if you're, you know, pampered too much or given, give, things given to you too much, it's kind of a, not a good thing. To be self-reliant is virtuous, you know, here, here in, you know, in America. But Jesus says, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. So there's, he says, God the Father is the Lord of heaven and earth. And that, is, that concept of Lord, lordship, is kind of foreign to us. Because the whole premise of America was that all men are created equal and we weren't going to have lords any longer. We weren't going to have men who were born to rule and men who were born to, to obey. Instead, everybody was going to be equal. We will have, you know, the, be able to pursue happiness on our own. And whether we succeeded in it or not, depended on our, ourselves, not on what other people gave to us. So here, Jesus is kind of saying something that runs contrary to what we're used to as, you know, um, red-blooded Americans, you know, able, you know, used to doing things on our, on our own and, and self-reliant. Instead, we need to rely on somebody, something else, who's going to give something to us, who's going to re reveal something to us as a free gift that we need to receive, not on any merit of what we've done. So I just want to prepare you, kind of soften your heart in order for you to receive the message today. Let's look at verse 28. This is what Jesus says. He says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I want to look at the, the first part. Of what he says. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. This is, this is Jesus as the Savior, okay? The main purpose why Jesus came to earth was not to model, you know, uh, good morality for us. He wasn't just a moral teacher, but he was a Savior. So here he is as the Savior to the people who need him, and he's saying, here I am, I'm your savior, come to me. All of you, come to me, and I can save you. He says, come to me, everybody who is weary and burdened. All those who are burdened by the regret, the guilt, the inability to do the things that they know they ought to do. You know, I, I believe that unless we lie to ourselves, we have to admit that we cannot do things to the, to the level of, you know, goodness that we want to do. We say, we, we, we often try. That's why, the, the, you know, the whole thing about New Year's resolutions, right? Okay, like, this year I'm going to do this. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change it around, you know, because we basically were admitting that in the past, you know, we, we haven't lived up to, to that level. But we're always trying, trying, trying to do better. And we know we ought to do better. And there's, there's that, 
that guilt and that regret that comes from our inability to do so. You know, we all try to get by in life. And I think the people who are most successful in this life would be the most ready to admit that it is a struggle, that it's not easy. If you, if you look at, you know, I think if you talk to anybody who's, who's um, you know, done well in the relative standard, you know, among humans, they will admit, yeah, it's hard. It's a struggle. In fact, things don't come easy to us. You know, we have to work for them. And that's the effect of sin. And we, we learned in the Doctrine of Man class that when Adam and Eve sinned, when sin came into the world, then the curse of sin came along with it. And because of that, people subjugate and exploit one another. God told Eve that you will be, your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. And you see, that's been the case, you know, over, I mean, it's become better in the last 100 years, you know, women have more, more rights and, and uh, protections. But for a lot of uh, human history, you know, the, the plight of women has not been very, very good. And then, then to the man, he says, you know, by toil and labor, are you going to get your food? And by the sweat of your brow, it's going to be difficult, hard. You know, how many of us realize, you know, especially in, in this economy, we got to work hard, right? You don't want to get, you know, you don't want to be the, like the lowest performing guys, you know, in your company, you'll get let go. You know, you got to work hard. You got to, you know, think how to, how to get food for yourself and for your family. It's, it's difficult. So Jesus is calling to all these people. He's saying you're you're burdened with sin and the effects of sin. And what it, the most thing that, that, that we're burdened with is the separation from God and the separation from what God intended for us. You see, God created us to have a relationship with him. And that relationship is one of Lord and, and, and servant. Or like in the... Middle Ages, you know, you would talk about lords and vassals. You know, the word vassal, V-A-S-S-A-L, is like somebody who's, you know, committed their life to serving their, their lord. And in return, the lord watches, watches out over, over them. Um, but we don't have peace because we don't have that right relationship with God. Our conscience tells us that we ought to be doing one thing, but what we actually do is something else. So what to do? Knowing about God is not a solution. You can come to church and, and learn what the Bible says, learn what you ought to do, but it's not a solution. In fact, Jesus, the, these people who Jesus was talk, were talking to, they knew God's law in and out, like the back of their hand. They knew God's law. In fact, I believe that they're um, including like the Pharisee traditions. There were more than 600 specific laws that they had to follow. So these people knew God's law, but it didn't help them. Knowing about God or knowing about what God requires does not help you. 
it only adds to that burden that you feel your inability to do to please God by your works. In verse 29, Jesus says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So first he says, take my yoke upon you. A yoke is a, like a wooden, wooden bar, right, that you put on the shoulders of like a horse or a mule or an ox, and then that, that ox pulls something, maybe a plow or a cart or whatever it is, but it's a burden, Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. A yoke in, the, the, in other places in the Bible, they use yoke as a metaphor for servitude. So if you're a servant of someone, they say it's the yoke, like the yoke of slavery. Okay? So when we take a yoke upon, Jesus' yoke upon us, we're becoming his disciple. We're exchanging the burden of, of doing things on our own, ex- laying that down, and instead taking up that yoke of discipleship or that relationship of a, of a servant and master to follow, to, to follow Jesus. He, he Actually, he says this is the remedy. First, he diagnoses the problem. He says, all you who are weary and burdened, Take my yoke upon you. At first we were like, what? That doesn't sound like much of a remedy to me. But it's the, and then we will, we will ask, you know, is this even right? Why doesn't God just take the, take the burden away and then that's it? Have you ever thought about that? Hmm. The thing is, is that if he takes the, if he takes the burden away from us and we don't have that right relationship with him, it's just going to come right back on us. In fact, he can't, the only way he can take it away is if we lay it down and take on that yoke upon us. The reason why is because you got to serve someone. Okay? You got to serve someone. And you may think that you're obeying yourself, like you are your own master. But, is that what your actual experience tells you? How many times have you wanted to do something and you cannot do it? If that's the case, are you really your own master? If you know there's something wrong that you shouldn't do, and then you still are compelled to do it, are you your own master? In fact, the Bible says that we are all Slaves to sin. The only way to get rid of this burden is to take the yoke of Jesus upon us. That we are going to follow him. We're going to make him our Lord. Then sin is no longer our Lord. So Jesus says, I came and died to remove the burden of your sin. Please accept what I've done for you and come back to a right relationship with me. And when you're in that right relationship, then you have that yoke tight on your, on your, firm, 
comfortable on your shoulders. Actually, yolks are not entirely bad because if they didn't have the yolk, they would have to like tie ropes around them or something. And then actually, yolk is designed to make the pulling easier. Okay, so it's just the uh, you know. Anyways, um, we what I have written here is that. We need to come back to a right relationship with God and learn to be good oxen. Okay? Everybody say, I'm an ox. <laughs> we, we need to learn to be good oxen. You know, as I understand it, Christians should be the most humble and selfless people in the world. Should be the most humble and selfless people in the world. But at the same time, these Christians need to be hardworking, persevering, disciplined, focused, and even ambitious people. Not, not for evil things, but for, for good things. That's like a good oxen, okay? You, you, you want to be a, a good oxen for the Lord. Somebody said, Christianity is not a religion for your handkerchief. Like, like when you cry, but it's a religion for your backbone, okay? It's a, it's a religion that you determine to do something, and, and you're, going, you're going to do it. It's not like sentiment and emotionalism. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble at heart. So... Um, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 20 and 21, Peter writes, But if you suffer for doing good and endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called to suffer, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you as an example that you should follow in his steps. When we take the yoke of Jesus upon us and we learn from him, one thing that, that he, that, that means is following in his steps in the hard and difficult path. In fact, when Paul and Barnabas went on their first missionary journey and then they went back to the towns that they and established, they appointed elders in each of those towns and established churches, what is the one thing that they told them? In Acts 14.22, it says, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. And actually, that's all that the Bible records that they told them at the, at the in time. So, you know, sometimes we, I, I, I saw one Christian, Christian book, and it said the subtitle was uh, The Secret to Effortless Success or something like this. And I was like, wow, you know, that's not what, uh, what the Bible teaches. It says we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. We must follow in his steps. And where, where does he lead us first? As you know, the oxen don't get to go where they want to go. They get, they get led, okay? And Jesus didn't get to go where he naturally felt, but wherever God told him to go. That's, that's where he went, okay? So as we're oxen, where is he going to lead us? He's going to lead us along the path that he himself took. It's important to realize that Christianity is not 
a destination that we arrive at, but rather it's a path that we follow. Sometimes people think that um, Christianity, I need to be like perfect over here and then I'm a Christian. But that's a wrong understanding. Christianity is for all the rest of us, normal people who are not perfect. And then we make Jesus our Lord and then we, this is the path. Christianity is the path that we follow. Christianity is not the destination. Okay? So he leads us along the path that he took himself. Paul said, follow me. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. So we're, we're following along, to, along that path to, toward Jesus. Along that path, what does he teach us? He said, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble at heart. So what does he teach us? He teaches us sanctification. That's the thing that we learn along this path. Sanctification is a, is a religious terminology. It means, become, I mean, holiness. So we have positional sanctification, that we are sinless and righteous in God's sight. But then experientially, in our experience, we are becoming sanctified as God through, as we, um, as the Holy Spirit works in us as we follow that path of Christianity. That's, you know, um, the sanctif- another way of uh, sanctification. So Jesus teaches us to be holy. You know, if, if uh, how many people have, have learned that, that uh, how Jesus teaches you just through the, the daily trials and tribulations that you go through as a Christian, right? Yeah, God teaches us. He teaches us many things. In fact, you know, whenever I experience some difficulty in my life, I'm like, Lord, what do you want to teach me? Let me figure it out really soon. Learn the lesson really soon so that this trial and tribulation can pass. You know, I'm like, Lord, what do you want to teach me? He's always teaching us. He's sanctifying us. So we also find we learn gentleness and humility which is so contrary to the things that we find in in the world. And we find deep peace and security that comes from a trusting relationship with God so that we can be gentle and humble. You know, being gentle and humble as a Christian does not mean like as a doormat, you know, like everybody just, you're just like, oh, come on, you know, pile it on. It's, it's, It's a little... It's not just, um, yeah, sometimes we, we do have to take the bruises for, for God's sake. But I think it's, a, it's, that, it's that willingness to do that because we know who our God is, that he wants us to do it, and he's backing us up. So... I wrote here that people who need to justify themselves, like the wise and learned people, people who need to justify themselves are those who boast and take pride in what they have done. Okay? The people who who need to justify themselves, they're like, you know, 
they're, they're, they're proud of themselves. They're not gentle. They're not humble, okay? But the people who are justified by God are gentle and humble because of what God has done for them. Like Jesus was gentle and humble, okay? When we know that we are justified by God, not because of what we have done, but by, because of what God has done, then we can be gentle and humble. So you see, it's, it's, it's different. It's like you're, you know you're justified. You know that nobody can, can condemn you. Nobody can tell you you're, you know, um, you know, so bad, you know, worth of all this, you know, they, you know, you deserve to be down there. Nobody can tell you that. But at the same time, you're willing to be gentle and humble. You're willing to, to, to do all these things because you, you know who it is who, who justifies you, okay? It's not your, it's not your own battle. In verse 29, let's see, he says, For I am gentle and humble at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So finally, Jesus says that after we take his yoke upon us, then we will find rest for our souls. And I know this is, is probably, actually, this is the best part about the message, okay? Because it's not only about the yoke. It's not only about the difficulties and the hardships that we face as Christians. Thank goodness Jesus didn't stop there. But he says, and then you're going to find rest for your souls. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 55, verse 1 through 2. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 1 through 2. It's very similar what God spoke through Isaiah. He says, Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, means you have no ability to get these good things, these heavenly things on your own. Remember what Jesus said was revealed to little children? He says, same thing here. You who have no money, you who are like little children, who acknowledge your poverty, your spiritual poverty, Come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Why keep laboring and trying to justify yourself, to take away that burden that you're inadequate? Why keep trying to do these good things so that you can feel good about yourself. Instead, come to me. Listen. Listen to me and eat what is good, and your soul will delight in the richest fare. It's God's gracious gift to us. Amen? So this is, this is the same, same offer that, that Jesus makes. So he said, then you're going to find rest for your souls. And I, now the last verse, verse 30, is very important because I believe it's the key to what makes make this all work, okay? Now, what I've been talking about is like makes sense in our head, right? But verse 30 is, is because it can't just be in our head, but it has to be something real in our life. We need the power to make this happen. And in verse 30, he says, 
For my yoke is easy and my burden light. Now, how can that be? How can this yoke of discipleship that we've talked about, that you know, we need to be the most hardworking, persevering, diligent, ambitious people in the world, how can this be a light and easy yoke? I believe it's in, uh, the answer is in John chapter 7. Jesus said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. And by this, he was talking about the Holy Spirit who was given to them later. That's why Jesus told the disciples, don't go anywhere Wait in tarry in Jerusalem until you have received the gift that I have promised to you. And then you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After you've received that infilling power of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is what makes Jesus' yoke and burden easy and light. Without the Holy Spirit, it's going to be a hard slog. I mean, it's, 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 it's tough, tough every, every day anyway because we have to die to ourselves, right? But you need the power of the Holy Spirit so that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. That's why it's very important. We cannot, it's very hard, I believe, to overemphasize the importance of the Holy Spirit in the Christian life, and in the church. You know, that's, that's why we, you know, everybody that, that um, you know, we, we, we do things, we have some responsibility in the church, whether it's teaching in the Sunday school or leading in the care group or leading worship in the care group or whatever it is, it's important that you learn how to be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is what is going to empower people to do the things that God has required of us. Without that, you know, there's lots of value in knowing his word and knowing the truths that are in there. But it's that living spirit that is within us that gives us the power to will and to act according to, his good, according to what he wants. You know, it's like a, a nuclear reactor inside of the Christians that you just got this energy. You know, a nuclear reactor creates lots of energy from this very small thing, this atom. They split it, and it unleashes incredible amounts of energy. And it's kind of like that inside of the Christian. You know, once we give ourselves to Jesus, and we, we say, Lord, I'm so thankful, and I want to do whatever you want me to do. And then, Lord, give me your Holy Spirit. And he sends that Holy Spirit inside of us, and it's kind of like a nuclear reactor that helps us to do. You know, we, we, it's not a burden. We want to do the work of God. We will say, woe is to me if I don't do this. Not because Paul, was, he, Paul didn't say that because he was going to be punished, but he said, you know, this is my one desire. He, I said, he said, I count my life worth nothing. If only I can complete the task, finish the race that Jesus has laid out for me. You know, it's, it's that type of 
burden inside of us that we won't feel that, oh, you know, nobody appreciates me. You know, I don't get compensated enough. You know, this is, uh, you know, nobody even knows everything that I do. You know, it's not like that. But it's like, thank you, Lord, that you've given me this work to do. That actually God doesn't need us, but he uses us. It's a, it's a grace from him. It's, it's, a, it's a gracious gift from him, the ability to, to do the things that he wants us to do. Amen. Amen. So instead of, you know, another thing, I, 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 I see I need to end very soon, but another thing that, that motivates Christian, that makes the, the yoke easy and the burden light, is that we have good things to look forward to. Whereas before, we only had bad things to look forward to. Remember, I think I shared about this a, a few months ago. Um, I forgot who, but something like, uh, um, you know, in this life without, without Christ, this is the best we're ever going to experience for all eternity. But with Christ, this is the worst that we're ever going to experience for all eternity. Now, you choose which one you want. Think about it, and then you choose. Do you want your experience here on life on earth to be the best that you're going to experience for all eternity, and it's not that good? Or do you want this experience here on life, here on earth, to be the worst that you experience for all eternity, and everything else is gravy, you know? For those who like gravy. Jesus, the Bible says, you know, cast your anxieties on him. You know, give everything up, up, up to God. We can do that when, we're, when we have Jesus' yoke upon us. It's not, it's not our burden. You don't need to carry that burden for yourself. Jesus says, give it to me. I'm going to take care of it for you. You know, any, any difficulty, any trouble that we have to face, we know that it's God's. The battle is the Lord's, not our own. We can trust him to, to do it. We say, Lord, you love these people more, much more than even I love them. No, I don't need to, to, to worry so much. I just do my best and trust God to take care of it. We may be like reaching out to some people, trying to show love to some people. Oh, Lord, please have mercy on them. He does. And he loves them so much more than I do. He's just using me. Lord, please use me to do your will. The last, last verse I want to read is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3. I, I really like, like this verse. We continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. So you have faith, hope, and love matched with um, work, labor, and endurance. And when we when we have the Holy Spirit inside of us, we have that love 
that prompts us to labor. labor. We have that faith that because that faith, it produces action, produces work. We have that hope of a future that inspires endurance to keep going through the difficult things. And so, brothers and sisters, this is God's invitation to all those who are weary and burdened, okay? And it's, it's, it's for us, even who are Christians already, and it's for everybody who is not a Christian yet, who doesn't, you, you, haven't, you haven't accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It's for all of us. We can always come before God and, and lay, lay our burdens down before him and take on his yoke and follow him and learn from him. I want to give an opportunity to anybody who is here today that you are not a Christian that this is the first time that you learned about, about Jesus, Jesus' offer to you, and you, you think it's a good idea. Remember what I said at the beginning. In order for you to, for this message to make sense to you, you need to be like a little child, okay? A little child that re- just receive the good thing from God. Stop thinking like, God, I'm bad, Help me to be better. Stop thinking like that. Stop thinking like, Lord, um, I'm, not, I'm not good enough. You know, I, I can't be a Christian. I can't do it. Stop thinking like that. Accept it like a little child. That you're going to lay down that burden of sin and the effects of sin, and you're going to take on the yoke of Jesus, which means to follow him as your Lord and master. If anybody would would like to accept Jesus' invitation, he says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. If you're weary, weary, and you're burdened, come to him today. Accept what he is offering you. It's a free gift. Can I ask you to please stand up if you want to accept Jesus Christ. If you are not a Christian and you want to become a Christian, the reason I ask you to stand up is because I want you to know that you make that decision. And Jesus says that whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. We need to make make that firm decision. Following Jesus is a serious thing. It, I don't think it's just something that, you know, it's a, you know, our opinion changed, but it's a decision when we make. Please just stand up. Right now is, now is the time. If you feel like you want to do it and you're not sure, just do it. Now is the time. Because I'm not going to, we're not going to be here, you know, for a few minutes more after that. If you would like to accept Jesus, it's a good thing. It's a good thing you just stand up. There's nothing to be ashamed of. I can tell you that I'm standing here as 
as a, a sinner who is totally reliant on Jesus for everything. And without him, I'm not worth beans. I can't do anything myself. If you want to acknowledge that, I'm telling you, it's going to be a weight off your shoulders. It's going to be a burden that you lay down. Please stand up if there's anyone else. Okay. Let's, let's pray. Lord, Lord, we um, thank you for your word. Father God, it's the words from God. Lord, these are not, is not the message of man, but these are the words from you, Lord. Father God, they're like honey to our spirit. Lord, they revive us when we're weak and we're weary. They're water to our spirit, Lord. Lord, we thank you, Father God, for your message this morning, Lord. When we thank you that you take away the burden of sin, Lord. Father God, all of us, whether we're already Christian or not, we bow down at your feet, Father. We lay down our burdens and we take up your, your yoke, Father God. And we want to follow you and learn from you. And Lord, we pray that the Holy Spirit come inside of us, Lord, and give us the ability, Father God, to obey you and follow you. We thank you, Father God. Lord, I thank you for our brother, Lord, that we made a decision, Father God. Lord, that you bless him. Father God, show him that you're real and that you, that his relationship with you is going to be an amazing thing in his life, Father God. He's born again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.